Time to bring on the guest. Today I've got a guest that covered the Sixers and now covers the Jazz. We preview tonight's matchup and also, boy does she have some interesting things to say about Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and the Sixers predicament. Plus, it's a month into the season and we are looking at the East. That's right now on Locked on Sixers. You are Locked on 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Sixers. I am your host, Serena Winters, former Sixers sideline reporter, serving up content to Sixers fans because that is what I love to do. Don't forget to follow, like, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Twitter at Serena Winters. We truly appreciate you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Plus, we've got great sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Joining me now to kick off today's show, I'm pretty excited to have someone with both Philly and Jazz ties to preview tonight's game, but also talk some Sixers basketball. We've got Sarah Todd. She covers the Utah Jazz for the Deseret News, but Sixers fans, you're probably like, okay, that name, that name rings a bell. And it should, because she covered the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer before heading back to the West Coast. So it is my pleasure to welcome Sarah Todd to the pod. Thank you so much for joining us. Plus the, the rhyme there, that, that worked out pretty nicely. Sarah Todd yeah. to the pod. The Todd pod is always <laughs> an experience. <laughs> the Todd pod. You know, I was trying to think, Sarah, how many years, I know you were in Philly, was it for about four years? And right, then did you cover the over. Sixers for that whole time or just two years? Tell us about two that. Two years I covered the Sixers. I worked at the Inquirer the whole time that I was out there. Um, and man, I I really miss Philly. I, I loved my time there. It's one of my favorite places I've ever lived. And so it's very nice to hear a Philly voice talking to me again. Well, I love you talking about Philly because later on, if you're up for it, I would love to ask you a little bit about what you miss and things like that. But before we get into the show, I've got to start with something completely unbasketball related because Sarah, when I was texting you this morning and I saw one of my last texts from you, which was a long, long time ago, yeah. <laughs> I, I like, saw that too. <laughs> what is this? And so I'm just going to read for the, for the fans listening out there. I've got this as my last text from Sarah Todd. You can do this. You'll feel so much better once he's dead by your hand and you can definitely leave because he will come back and so will his family. (laughs) And before someone calls the cops, Sarah, do you remember what we were talking about that led to that text? A hundred percent. It was, that was the rodent problem. You had a mouse in the house. Yes, I had a mouse in the house. So for, you know, all of all the Philadelphians out there and anybody who lived in downtown Philly, I'm sure you can feel my pain. I know Sarah has definitely had this as well, but I had a, a mouse in my apartment in Philly. I had been documenting it on Instagram for weeks. The thing was tormenting me. I could not get it out of my apartment. I was searching for help and Sarah 
was just coming through with the advice. <laughs> yeah, I, I stand by my advice. Uh, chew up a Tootsie Roll and put that on the end of a mousetrap and use the old school wooden Victor mousetraps. Kill those things. They're not worth the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's probably enough mouse talk for the pod. Yeah. Um, I have a crazy story about that mouse and what happened with it and me capturing it and it jumping out of a of my kitchen sink and me trying to capture it again and olive oil being all over my floor. But that is a story for a different day. And it's time to talk Sixers. Sarah, I'm going to go out on a limb here though and say that that was not the introduction you were expecting. That was not the introduction (laughs) I was expecting, but I loved every second of it. Well, let's talk a little bit of jazz first, because I doubt that those listening are watching every single jazz game out there, right? So with the Sixers taking on the jazz tonight, just how would you sum up the first month of the jazz season to fans that are going to be watching the game? Yeah, honestly, uh, it's been a little disappointing, I think, from the Jazz's perspective. I I get that, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about sort of their offensive rating probably later in the pod. But uh, for Jazz fans, they did not expect to be eight and five heading into this game. They lost a couple of games that they felt like they should have won. They lost a couple of games that, I mean, talent wise, they absolutely should have won. And I mean, they, they've been making a lot of mistakes that they didn't make last season when they were the number one seed in the Western Conference. And so to watch a team that is, for the most part, the same team as last year make mistakes like that, it's actually brought on a little bit of concern about this Jazz team. And that's interesting because, you know, the last year the Jazz finished with a, what, 52 and 20 record, if I remember correctly. Yes. You know, obviously lost in the Western Conference semis. You look at the numbers and the stats to start the year, they do look similar to last season. But you mentioned kind of this feeling a little bit of the disappointment, you know, when they're obviously on a two game losing streak, kind of giving up games that they can't get back. How is this team different from last year, you know, and do you think it's better equipped to make a real run at the title or where do you think some of the hurdles are? I think that on paper that the team is better than it was last season because they've got, you know, Rudy Gay, who is coming off an off season, off season procedure, and he's going to be returning soon. The return is imminent for him to make his jazz debut. And he adds some length and versatility that they didn't have last season. He adds someone that could maybe play a small ball five. They also got Eric Pascal, who Philadelphia fans will remember from Villanova. And he also kind of adds that same element that Rudy Gay does. And he's proved to be, uh, I mean, really athletic and more, more than what they expected from him. They also got Hassan Whiteside, who was kind of just like a, you know, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks option for backup center. He's been playing excellently. And, and so, and then they all have their weapons from last season and an incredible array of people that can shoot the three and shoot it really well. Uh, great backcourt and Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. And then obviously the, you know, reigning defensive player of the year and three-time DPOY in Rudy Gobert. And so they have all of the weapons they had last year, plus a little bit more versatility, but for some reason things just, it's, it feels like it just isn't clicking this season. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that that's where the hurdle is, is maybe they're coming off a season feeling like, you know, if we were, if we were healthy in the postseason, that maybe we would have been able to get past that second round. 
and we were the number one team. Like there's a lot of bravado and confidence that comes with a regular season, like the one they had last year. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they just have to be as locked in and like as determined as they were last year. And it doesn't seem that they've sort of reached that level yet. Interesting. I mean, you mentioned Donovan and the last memory I have of him is the last time the Sixers played the jazz, which I think was March, um, last March. And I remember Donovan Mitchell just smacking this Gatorade jug on his way out of the arena in Philly. And that was a game quick reminder where Utah blew this late fourth quarter lead Philly smoked them in overtime. And I remember Mitchell said something like, we won this game in my personal opinion, you know, after the game to the media. So from my perspective, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be around Donovan Mitchell. What is it like been to be around him? And has he seemed any different last year to this season? I don't know that he seemed any different. I think kind of what I was talking about before with a sort of that edge and that feeling like they needed to prove their self last season. And they were, they, it's like they were gunning to win every single game that they could, and they won a lot of them. And I mean, that, that game in Philly is a great example of sort of the, the highs and lows that they would get off of any loss or, or win, you know? And so if they lose a game that they felt like they were right there and they could, I mean, it really affected them Mm. and impacted their emotions and, um, just really quick side note, doesn't matter if you feel like you want a game, the W or the L is the thing that ends up in the column. So, but I mean, they, they were very emotional. I feel like this season, win or loss, and they, they kind of use it as a motto. The Jazz say not to get too high or too low. I kind of feel like they should get a little high or low because at this point, when you're making this many mistakes and you're losing games that you really actually should win, I'd like to see Donovan Mitchell get a little bit more fired up after a loss. And, and right now he seems just kind of very low, like, man, this is embarrassing. This is not good. We've got to get our, our heads right. And I'd like to see him a little bit more fired up because I feel like th- the jazz really feed off of that energy. When any one player on the team uh, kind of gets a chip on his shoulder, they all feed into it and it's, and it produces good basketball. Interesting. Uh, So then talking about like that emotion and getting fired up and I mean, Rudy Gobert seems to be in the NBA news, you know, quite a bit, obviously last week he had the on court altercation with miles Turner. And when you're talking about like that emotion, it, does he show that in those ways? Or is that something that's completely different? I think that's actually different because I'm I'm thinking, you know, Rudy's not really a guy that you have to fire up. Like he's already in it. I think that when his teammates are playing at a high level uh, and they are, you know, kind of chippy on the court or getting fired up or getting a little angry, he feeds off of that and it shows up in his game. I mean, the, the stuff that I don't like from Rudy Gobert is, um, I guess sort of the emotion that shows up in the headlines nationally, you know, like, uh, he gets really angry when he doesn't get the calls that he thinks that he should get. And, you know, then he's slow to get back on defense. And that, that happens a lot in the NBA across different teams. You know, he's, he's not the lone NBA player that complains about not getting calls (laughs) and then doesn't run back. Right. But he, but when you don't have the DPOY running back on defense, that is a problem. And so I'd like to see him a little bit more engaged and maybe the other guys on the court actually, 
um, getting a little bit more fired up because I mean, guys that seem like they haven't really had much of an edge to them this season are Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley's been like weirdly out of the offense and just like not as engaged. And so I I think that's a fire needs to be lit somewhere. Sarah, you make some great points and I still have so much more to ask you about. So can I ask you to stick around because I mean, you were in Philly, like I said, for years, you covered Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. I haven't even asked you about your take on Philadelphia. So can you stick around for a minute? Absolutely. Great. So first, let me tell you about Farragun. There is nothing I look forward to more after a long workout than popping my Farragun out of its carrying case and using it to alleviate my muscle tension. It just feels so good. Looking forward to it. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And guess what? It's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. I don't know though. My, uh, my electric toothbrush is a little too loud. Theragun's signature percussive therapy goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. And sometimes I just use it after a long day of sitting in my office chair working on the pod. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $190. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on therabody.com slash locked on. What do you think, Sarah? Are you going to uh, try the Therabody? I, you know what? I I've got a, a yoga roller and, mm-hmm. um, but I think that the Theragun might have to be in my future, (laughs) (laughs) especially with an ad read like that, right? Really beautiful stuff. Thank you. Thank you for that. For the listeners out there, thanks for making Locked On Sixers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Sarah, if the Sixers beat the Jazz tonight, why does that happen? I think, you know what, maybe like a more interesting way about going at this is talking about like, what, what would the repercussions be of a win or loss either way? Because if the jazz be, I mean, cause right now I think it's, uh, Joel, obviously no Ben, no Mm -hmm. Joel, Mm -hmm. possibly no Matisse. Mm -hmm. And, and so you're, you're coming at like a depleted roster when you're talking about the Sixers. And so I think that if the jazz win that game, they can walk away from it and say like, well, you know, they were shorthanded and we beat them without a couple of their best players. If the, if the Sixers beat the Jazz, on the other hand, I, because of where the Jazz have been this season, I don't think that it's as exciting as it would have been maybe last season. I, I think that it's probably just a good boost for them. Like, hey, we get on the road, we're playing in altitude, we beat the Jazz, and nice road win for us, move on to the next one. If the Jazz were playing kind of at their peak level, or if they come out tonight and they play that, you know, patented jazz basketball that, you know, everyone got to see all last season, then maybe that's an even bigger win for the Sixers. And so I, I think that the Sixers have more to gain from a win than the jazz do. I mean, it would be a great win for Philly. The the jazz are, you know, number two in offensive rating in the NBA. They shoot the third most threes. This is an area that really needs to be on the Sixers scouting report is that they score more second chance points in the NBA than anybody else. And offensively, this is a really solid team. So like you said, it would be a big win for Philly. 
on the road, but they've already dropped four straight. So it's definitely going to be definitely going to be a tough one. That's for sure. I mean, it's been a tough couple of weeks for Philly. They've been out without all of their stars. Finally, they've got Tobias Harris back and hopefully he can come back and have another bounce back game, but it's going to be a tough one. All right, Sarah, I only have you for so long, so I've got to get in some Philly questions here. First of all, when you left for Utah, was it after the 2018-19 season? Yes, it was uh, it was just after the uh, the draft at the end of the 18-19 season. So, I'm curious just because look, you covered Ben Simmons, you covered Joel Embiid, you covered the Sixers. Back then, what was your viewpoint on how the Simmons and B duo worked and does what's going on now surprise you or not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hitting you. I'm hitting you with the hard questions. What's going on now is not surprising to me. Um, I think, I think that it would be, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone that was around Ben Simmons a lot and is surprised by what's happening. Sure. Um, he's a difficult guy, you know, he was a difficult guy to cover. I'm, I can't imagine he was an easy teammate. Um, and all that being said, he's an excellent basketball player. Um, sure. the, the, the deficiencies in his game were always so frustrating because they were seemingly such easy fixes. You know, it's like, uh, practice your free throws, play through a little bit more contact and take a jumper every once in a while. And it, it feels like those were so easy to add to his game. And the fact that he never did was incredibly frustrating as a spectator. And so I, I'm not surprised that there are frustrations with him. And I am not surprised by, you know, his personality, him having frustrations with the rest of the team. And I, I don't know how this all ends, um, but yeah, it, it is not surprising to me. You have a very interesting perspective, like I said. And so I appreciate what you just said, because I think that the fans can really take that. I, I, I think you've hit on some very valid points and I can echo also the, you know, not the easiest to cover from a Mm -hmm. media perspective. I am curious, you know, being free with you being in Utah and around colleagues that did not cover the Sixers, right? Like what is kind of the, I'm going to say outside perception, even though technically, you know, everybody's who you work with, you know, knows the NBA inside and out, right. but didn't cover the Sixers. So what is, what do you get the feel of? Cause look, we talk about this, right? Like you sit around, you see the news and then you talk about it with your colleagues. That's what we do. Right. What is the perception from the outside looking into what the Sixers are currently dealing with? Honestly, I think that the perception that people have of the Sixers, I think is probably right on. Like there's not a lot of, I guess, nuance to this situation. If we're being completely honest, like, you know, from the outside, a lot of people are thinking like, man, uh, a lot of stuff goes on in Philly and it kind of seems like the drama is never ending. And that is correct. I mean, in the short time that I was covering the Sixers, we, you know, had 
uh, Burner Gate with Brian Colangelo, <laughs> uh, Markel Fultz forgot how to shoot a basketball, uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and the tensions there or not tensions there and constant rumors swirling about people who were leaving or staying and is Brett Brown going to get fired every single day until he actually gets fired. And, you know, it's just like nonstop weird stuff that's not basketball. And and so th- this kind of seems to just go along with that trend and 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 people from the outside see that. And then as far as, you know, Ben Simmons, the question that I get asked most often is, you know, is he, is he really like, is he the person that he comes across as? And my answer is yes, he, he is that person. Well, Sarah, I can't let you go without asking. What do you miss most about Philly? Oh, uh, <laughs> so much food. <laughs> so, so much food. Is Philly- it not one of the best food cities in America? Philly is incredibly underrated food city. I mean, they're nameless, nameless bars and restaurants. Um, I had an incredible group of friends there that I still love and I can't wait to visit with. And, you know, just local spots that we used to go to. And I could shout out so many places. Shout out to you. You can give some shout outs. Shout out. Um, Shout outs to, um, oh man. Now I'm forgetting the names of everything you put me on the spot. There's, <laughs> it's called Red Something. Now I can't remember. It, it was this right is what you can corner. do when you get off when you get off the podcast. You think about it. You text me. I'm going to come back in segment three, and then I'll make sure to drop it in. That's perfect. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. Last one from me before we let you go. Do you have any favorite Sixers memories from your time covering the team you want to share? I feel like my, my favorite memories were getting to know the players and like seeing their joyful moments, you know, cause like, I, I don't like to like sort of stew in the bad moments. I think a lot of people would probably talk about the, you know, quadruple doink in, in Toronto. And, but that, that was a hard moment to watch because, you know, there were, there were high emotions and, you know, crushed hopes and dreams in that game. And so more so what I like to think about is like, um, you know, talking to Matisse and his family after mm-hmm. he got drafted and getting to know his family and his story, or even back when uh, Landry Shamit was with the team and when he got drafted and seeing how much he connected with JJ Reddick and how much he wanted to learn from him and the camaraderie that was there. And I'm, I still, I still miss watching Joel pump up the crowd when he's on a run and like wave <laughs> to the crowd and get them into it. He's, he's an incredible showman. And I, I think that, you know, there, there aren't many players in the NBA that can quite do it like he does. And so those are some of the things that I miss. Well, I know the Philly sports scene misses you, Sarah, but everybody wishes you well in Utah. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Yeah, no problem. Great time. Well, coming up, power rankings are out, and we take a look at where the Sixers rank against the top teams in the East. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Do you ever have trouble finding your local chain auto parts store? Actually stock all the parts you need? Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You don't have to. Just go to rockauto.com. Do you need a new fuel pump for your Honda Odyssey? Well, that part is $353 from a chain store and $216 from Rock Auto. 
Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do, use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So Sarah did text me her Philly shout out spots. So I'm going to go through them real quick. Red Hook Cafe, Kyber Pass, Nomad Pizza, New Wave, and then her absolute favorite, The Blind Pig. Thanks again to Sarah. She's also got an awesome podcast called Unsalvageable. Check it out. So moments after getting off the phone with Sarah, Sham Sharani of The Athletic reporting that the Sixers are fining Ben Simmons for not traveling on their six-game road trip. Shams reporting that Simmons believes the Sixers are disregarding his mental health issues and trying to force him back on the team despite his mental health concerns. And that is going to do it for today's report on Ben Simmons. All right, so we are almost a month into the regular season, and I want to take a little look at the East. Because who would have thought that the Washington Wizards would be sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference a month into the regular regular season? Not me. You know, granted, they haven't had the toughest schedule, but they've still beaten the Celtics twice and the Bucks, split a pair with the Raptors, and this team just has depth, and I think that's going to carry them through the regular season. We're seeing right now what teams without depth and having to go not just injuries, but through the health and safety protocols, what it does to the record. Then the Nets, who are 10-4, and four, who served up Washington one of their three wins, are, in my opinion, still going to be the team to beat in the East. There is just too much talent on this team. They might be middle of the pack with some of their stats, but they've just got guys who know how to win. Plus, they've already got their longest road trip of the season out of the way, came back 5-1, and one, and look, despite James Harden still clearly having issues adjusting to the new rules, the Nets are still ranked first and second in three-point percentage and field goal percentage, and that's going to help carry them. And then you've got the Chicago Bulls in third right now, and they just look really good. I mean, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan just seem to be clicking. It's unfortunate for them that Vucevic is now in health and safety protocols. I mean, look, the Sixers know all too well what that's like. Um, But with the exception of just one of those four losses for the Bulls, the other three losses were all within five points within the last five minutes. So I think that tells you something about this team. And then you've got the Heat and the Cavs, both above Philly in the standings. The Knicks and Philly have the same record at 8-6. and six. And look, it's hard to say where this Sixers team should really be with them being without healthy bodies for so long. And side note, pretty crazy that Monday was actually the Sixers' first real 
practice since the start of the regular season. I was mind blown when Gina Mazzell of the Philadelphia Inquirer tweeted about that. That's pretty crazy. That just goes to show you, you know, how crazy the season has been. But back to the standings, I will say that the Cavs could really surprise some people in the East this year. That rookie, Evan Mobley, he's something special. Cavs did well with that pick this year. All right, a couple of quick notes before I let you go. Danny Green is out against Utah tonight with a left hamstring tightness injury. And of course, Joel Embiid and Matisse Thibel are still out. They are in health and safety protocols. We're going to play some fun games on tomorrow's show, so make sure to tune in. And thanks for making Locked On Sixers your first listen every day. And if you're looking for some gambling insight, check out Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. We'll see you tomorrow.